Welcome to Cincy Reformed. I'm Pastor Brandon. I'm joined with my co-pastor, Pastor Zach. We are pastors at Westside Reformed Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. And today we want to talk about a, um, almost like a, you could say, a lost discipline uh, for, for many Christians. Um, and that would be the, the discipline of fasting, as, as Christ would often speak about praying and fasting and the Certainly the church fathers would speak about praying and fasting, but sometimes fasting um, is misunderstood. Sometimes it's often neglected. Sometimes we don't know what to do with it. Uh, sometimes we have questions. And so I thought today we, we would maybe have some time of answering these practical questions that people have, but also looking to the Bible to see what the Bible says about, about fasting. So, Zach, maybe you can uh, start us off by Bringing us to the Bible, what does the Bible say about fasting? Is there any scriptural warrant that Christians today need to fast? Yeah. The way that I remember hearing this when I was younger is that uh, they fast in the Old Testament, but we don't really do that in the New Testament. So I think that's a good place for us to start, obviously, is what does the Bible say about this? And so when we uh, come to Scripture and we begin to think about the scriptural warrant, it's very clear, I think, from first from the Gospels that Christ expects his disciples to fast. The teaching of Jesus on this, in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, comes to mind in Matthew chapter 6. And that's probably a key place to begin thinking about this. Because within the first 18 verses of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus repeats a phrase saying, When you, when you give your alms to the poor, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, don't be like the Gentiles. And I think all Christians agree and say, yeah, we're supposed to give. We're supposed to be sacrificial, take care of the poor in our midst. We're supposed to pray. But then Jesus says, when you fast. And he places fasting alongside those two uh, spiritual disciplines. As you mentioned earlier, though, Brandon, the discipline of fasting seems to be very neglected in our time. But Jesus says, when you fast, which expects that we're going to do it. A couple chapters later in Matthew 9, Jesus is answering a bit of a, a question that's brought to him as to why it was that his disciples did not fast. Because the disciples of John the Baptist were fasting, the, the Pharisees were fasting. And so it was a question as to whether Jesus was introducing some new form of piety that was contrary to fasting. And he said that his teaching was not at all opposed to fasting but that because he was present, embodied with his disciples on earth, that he, they could not fast at that time because it would be like people fasting at a wedding feast. You don't fast at a wedding reception. You celebrate and you rejoice. And that's the way that the church lived and functioned while Jesus was still on earth. It was a time of feasting, not fasting. But when Jesus spoke to those people who asked him about that, he didn't just say, it's inappropriate for my disciples to fast while I'm here. He said that one day he would be taken away from his disciples. And in that time, in that season, then they would begin to fast. That same kind of practice then is picked up and it's, uh, we're, we're informed that uh, twice in the book of Acts that the New Testament church fasted. Uh, they fasted when they were um, going to be, when they were in prayer they fasted as well, uh, spe specifically when they were then uh, preparing to um, select and ordain uh, officers for the church. 
And so it's very clear, I think, by the New Testament data that fasting is something expected of us. It's expected until Christ returns, not after Christ returns for us, but until that point in time, we are expected to fast. Um, maybe a couple other things that might be worth uh, pointing out, perhaps we can get into this maybe more later, Brandon, is that so what do we mean when we say fast? Um, what, what exactly is it? What is fasting, biblically speaking? It's not a, a dietary regime for the sake of our earthly bodies. I think that's uh, important to uh, note up front because different diets are coming in and out of style, and many of them oftentimes include fasting. And uh, that's not the kind of fasting we're talking about, although the methods might be similar at times. It's not the same in terms of its purpose and orientation. Uh, when you consider the biblical data, Old Testament, New Testament, what you see there is that fasting is primarily viewed as uh, the uh, abstention from food. And so one would with, uh, refrain from any kind of food for the span of approximately one day is, would be the normal way of thinking about fasting. And you oftentimes uh, see as well that people who are fasting would also abstain from all forms of drink, all kinds of water as well. Uh, but then that kind of a, a approach to fasting could, could then be um, adjusted. Uh, so for example, the um, Anna the prophetess was also abstaining from sleep. And I believe, if not mistaken, I think the King Nebuchadnezzar fasted from sleep. He stayed up all night and uh, kept vigil with lots of prayers and abstaining from sleep. Um, you can also go ahead. The Apostle Paul, I mean, he mentions uh, abstaining from sexual relations yep. within marriage for a season of prayer. Yep. And that's kind of like a fast. Exactly. I, Book of Daniel, you have them uh, abstaining from the finer foods, but they still ate raw vegetables and things like that. Uh, refusing to anoint themselves with oil, uh, the uh, cleansing and refreshment that, uh, that the ancient people would find in that uh, ritual. So there are then some different ways, I think you could say, to think about fasting. But I think at the, at the heart and core of it is to abstain from food and uh, possibly also uh, drink. So, Brian, maybe could you uh, chime in here on some purposes for fasting and maybe some reasons why someone might abstain from food or mm -hmm. um, the finer things of life, including possibly even uh, sexual relations? What, what would you say about some of those? It was, I think, in Scripture, oftentimes, you know, abstaining from food, like you mentioned. Uh, and then all, it, was for a, it was for a specific purpose. It was not for, like, a dietary thing. In our day, you know, I've... There was um, uh, someone I knew, they were uh, fasting every morning for just dietary kind of things. Uh, you, go, you go to the doctor sometimes, you have to fast before you, you go to the doctor. And then you go to church and they want you to fast. You think, well, I've been fasting. Well, no, you haven't. That's, that was a dietary, more of a physical body kind of thing that you were doing, not a spiritual thing that you were doing. But in, in, in the Old Testament, you see uh, many different reasons or, or purposes for fasting. For example, there were times where they wanted to fast in order to have a season to focus prayer, where you know every time you feel those hunger pains, you're, you're led to prayer, you're reminded of prayer, you're reminded of God, you're reminded that uh, we do not live by bread alone, but on whatever... God ordains to be nourishing for us. And so, uh, for example, in Ezra 8.23, it says, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Um, sometimes they would fast in the Old Testament 
to seek guidance. They, they had uh, a big decision to make. You know, do we go to war? Do we do this? Do we do that? So they would seek guidance to, um, to see what God wanted uh, them to do, to be in prayer for that. So, for example, in Judges 20, they seek uh, um, guidance for battle. In Acts 14, they're seeking guidance on elders and appointing elders in the, in the local church. Uh, we also see uh, times of fasting where uh, people of God are in a prayerful lament. They're praying, they're saddened, they're asking God to help them. Uh, we see that in 1 Samuel 31, there's fasting after a funeral. Um, we also see that fasting could also be used to kind of sharpen or hone our seeking God. Second uh, Chronicles 20, the people of Judah came together to seek the Lord. Ezra uh, chapter 8, they were seeking God's protection. So there's times where fasting was appropriate to have the people of God come and have a focused seeking of God. Uh, also, they would come together and fast to express repentance. So Joel chapter 2, return to me with all of your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. So there, God lumps fasting with weeping and mourning and saying that is an appropriate response of turning away from sin and turning back to Him. So there's, it's, a, it's an appropriate response of, of repentance. We see the same kind of thing in Jonah chapter 3. Uh, sometimes fasting was used to humble yourself, to realize God is God, you are not. He is the Creator, you are the creature. To, to have a humble posture. So for example, in Psalm 35, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. How did he humble himself? With fasting. We see the same kind of thing in 1 Kings chapter 21. Uh, again, fasting could also be to express concern for the work of God. God's work is going out and you are concerned for that work. You want to see that work um, advance and go on. And there's a, a times of fasting. So, for example, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 9. Uh, and finally, sometimes fasting is an expression of love and worship of God, where you love God, you worship God, and, and as an expression of that love, you uh, fast. So Luke chapter 2, Anna said uh, she never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying in the temple, uh, just in love with God, wanting to worship Him. Um, so Zach, we, we've kind of examine the, the biblical warrant for it. We, we've examined some of the ways in which fasting uh, has, been, has been done. Uh, but now there's the, the practical concerns, you know, bringing it to our, our modern day. Um, and people have questions about, you know, how does this actually look in my life? So, for example, um, one question is, I work a manual labor job. Should I give up food entirely and also to kind of lump in with this question too i've i've spoken to to people who perhaps were elderly they had medication for example where it maybe wasn't conducive to give up all foods or you know how would you counsel somebody who's out working in the heat all day and they're nervous that they might they might push them into like a fatigue or an elderly um, who is on a medication that requires food i mean how, how do we understand these yeah well i think that the practice of fasting needs to be understood within the broader context of love for your neighbor, um, love for your family, 
if you're going to faint while working and harm yourself and your ability to provide for your family, you're not loving your neighbor very well, are you? Not caring for, for them and to do something that would put your, your own life in um, extreme uh, danger, that's not an appropriate practice. And so fasting needs to be done with these other kind of considerations in mind of care for oneself, care for your bodily health, that if you need to have food with, um, with medications, you should certainly not abstain from food, uh, that that's not an appropriate path forward. But rather what then can be done, if you work a manual labor job, the thing that I would encourage people to do is uh, perhaps to just simply eat raw vegetables for the day. So you're not gonna be collapsing, you're not gonna be harming yourself. You have the kind of the nourishment you need without having the, the level of um, you know, satisfaction that you might uh, ordinarily have if you have um, you know, a, a cheeseburger for, for lunch. And so that kind of an approach can uh, help you to still uh, enter into that position of self-humiliation before the Lord and remind you of, of your need for the Lord, your creatureliness before the Creator, uh, without compromising your your work and your provision for your family, your health, if you're t back to the medication question. So I think that could be a path forward. Or maybe to giving up something else, like giving up um, for a period of time. This is not like giving up chocolate for Lent, by the way. You know, that's not what I'm talking about, but something that really matters um, in, in your life. So it, it could be uh, fasting as Paul recommends in 1 Corinthians 7 in terms of abstaining from um, uh, sexual intimacy within a marriage. It could be um, abstaining maybe from our smartphones. That's probably good for all of us to be doing that as a spiritual exercise, that we don't need our smartphones, but rather we need God. And so those kinds of things might be um, uh, good to add alongside of maybe just a vegetable diet or something like that for a time. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Um, yeah, because I mean, there's many things that people could fast, you know, like you mentioned, smartphones, televisions, you know, d different things that maybe suck too much of our time away. Um, it could be a, a good way to pull back from some of these things and focus on God, f focus on prayer. Um, what about um, perhaps someone else who's wondering about what is the purpose of fasting? Like, like why, um, why not just pray? And when I fast, am I like really serious and trying to like twist God's arm by, you know, I'm, I'm starving and so maybe God will see my starvation, I'll twist his arm to answer my prayer. And sometimes people can see fasting almost like a quid pro quo, like look what I've done God this whole day, I haven't mm -hmm. eaten anything. And now I want you to answer my prayer in this matter. And so how, how might we calibrate someone's thought who's thinking more along those lines? Right, well, I think that it's fasting should actually, it should, bring us to the opposite point of humbling us mm -hmm. rather than making us so proud as to think that we are pulling the lever and that God must then dispense our desired blessing for us. But rather what it should do is put us in a place where we recognize that he is God and we are not. He's our creator. We are the creature. He's the redeemer. We are the redeemed. And because of that, we have, we bring no merits before the Lord whatsoever in our good works, in our religious actions, but um, fasting should bring us to the opposite conclusion of saying, thy will be done instead, I believe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, <clears throat> what are some practical ways? So mm. somebody's, you know, listening and they're thinking, well, I'd like to start fasting. 
what are what are some practical ways? Uh, you know, it's interesting sure. in the early church reading through, like for example, the Didache. Yep. You know, they're fasting twice a week. Yep. Um, uh, that's more than some have fasted the past decade, and so. Um, is there is is it help, helpful to have a rhythm? Uh, how how would you advise someone to do this? Yeah, well, I, th- I think maybe if we begin by thinking about different kinds of fasting, it might be a good place to start. So, for example, within the history of Israel, they would have some moments of corporate fasts. Mm. So there'd be a, a corporate fast at the uh, Day of the Atonement, and in the New Testament, you call it. It's in the Book of Acts. It's just called the fast. Because everyone was doing it on a national level. Uh, but then there's also, as you mentioned, from uh, the Didache, one of the most ancient um, post-biblical writings, that uh, we learned from there that the Jews were fasting privately two days a week, and then the Christians did it different two days a week. And so there was not just the cor- corporate national fast, but then there was like a regular rhythm of fasting that many Jews uh, undertook, and then many Christians then followed suit with that. And so I think that maybe thinking about it in in that kind of a way could be helpful, because there might be times when there, the church calls, your local church calls for a corporate fast. Uh, perhaps, for example, there's a, a, a day of prayer. I mean, I know that our church is going to be calling for one for the national day of prayer, and that we have a, a church-wide fast for that as we pray for our nation, or maybe there would be a corporate fast because officers are being voted upon in order to be ordained, or something else is going on. I mean, I would imagine that the Christians in Ukraine, that perhaps many churches in Ukraine called for a corporate fast, and maybe on their behalf other churches have called for a corporate fast. And so there can be something that's being done together as a corporate body, but then there can also be those sort of personal rhythms that one might undertake for oneself, um, a rhythm, like you mentioned, with the Didache says to that Christians would fast on Wednesday and Friday. And so, in other words, there was a regular rhythm and routine that was uh, set in place by many within the ancient uh, church. And while that might be uh, too much for you or me personally, uh, establishing a routine like that could be helpful. Maybe the first Wednesday of each month, or maybe every Wednesday, or maybe... Something along those lines where you establish something for yourself to be regularly uh, undertaking this practice, just like we would regularly undertake the practice of prayer and almsgiving that you see in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18. So that, that could be something as well. But then also, I mean, I think responding to a personal crisis in our lives where we need to seek the Lord, we need to be humbled, um, perhaps you're experiencing a time where you are struggling to uh, recognize the goodness of the gospel, you're struggling to uh, sense intimate communion with the Lord, maybe that that prompts you to fast and to, uh, to seek the Lord in that way. So it could be, I think, some different reasons for, mm-hmm. for that and maybe some different ways that we, we practice that. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, and it's probably helpful to, to note as well that fasting doesn't have to be of uh, this massive event that is so hard and difficult every time you do it. I was talking with one uh, gentleman one time, and his concept of fasting was like five to seven days of no food, um, small amount of water. It was very taxing for him to get through it, and he rarely did it. 
because he had elevated this idea of fasting to mm-hmm. where it was so strenuous for really for anybody to try to try to do that that he just never really engaged it. Um, where some people I know who have more of a rhythm of doing it, like once a week or something, they will abstain from, um, so they'll stop eating the evening of one uh, day, and they'll skip breakfast in the morning, they'll skip lunch, and then they'll eat dinner that night. And so um, you're really missing out on two solid meals, and um, it's still a fast, but it's also not a strenuous one where you can actually have more of a rhythm doing something like that. So again, it can it can differ and vary, and again, it doesn't always have to be food. It could be uh, sexual intimacy. It could be various things that, that are uh, big pillars in our life that are, are getting a lot of our attention, for example, smartphones. Um, anything else to add about that? No, I, I like what you said right there a lot. And- one little uh, nugget I found from reading one of our Reformed forefathers, um, his name is Wilhelmus Abrockel, if you care. Mm-hmm. But he, he mentions that um, really if you're going to undertake a fast where you're abstaining from food and water, it shouldn't be more than 24 hours. He says, don't do that. If you're going to go for more than 24 hours, then use the kind of vegetable diet path instead in order that you're not um, bringing harm upon yourself because the Lord's not glorified. When we bring harm upon our own bodies, so yeah, I, I appreciate helpful. what you said there. Yeah, that's helpful. So, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today and on the, uh, the Sincere Reform podcast. And as we've considered today, one of those neglected Christian disciplines that really should be a Christian discipline and should be um, uh, performed by us to the glory of God more often than we than we do. Maybe in our day, we can have a bit of a recovery of that. So check us out, sincerereform.org. Check out our church, westsidereformed.org. Feel free to send us questions or ideas for future episodes. We'd love to hear those. Again, thanks so much. Bye-bye.